Welcome. I'm Sarah Lipton, and this is Genuine, the podcast. Produced and created by the community at GenuineNetwork.org. Genuine. Authentic. Genuine. <laughs> Genuine. 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 Genuine? <laughs> Genuine. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us for Episode 7 of Genuine, the podcast. Today, Carlton and I dip our toes into the deep conversational waters surrounding how we can give ourselves the permission to be exactly as we are. We dive deep into an experience I recently had, bringing forth the message that Sharon Salzberg shared with us a couple of episodes ago. When you're in hell, keep going. (laughs) I don't know about you, but conversation is sometimes the best medicine. And that's certainly how I feel when Carlton and I talk, and we hope that our exploration is of benefit to you as well. As you are settling in for the conversation today, you will also hear some more scrumptious music. Today, I am thrilled to share two amazing sets of musicians who are performing for you. My first cousin, another one, Kamran Sobian, and his band Revival share their song, Downpour, which I'll admit I often listen to on repeat, and you can follow them most places you listen to music. And I can't even believe how cool this is, but my very own cello teacher, who I actually mentioned in this episode, Melissa Purley, well, her husband Paul Purley offered to write up a piece for Melissa to play for the podcast, so you'll hear part of that close to the end of the episode today. Thank you, Pearlies. <laughs> and don't forget to say to the end to hear my dear friend, Nicholas Johannesson, define genuine for us. But before we dive in, let's pause and take this moment to just be. So I invite you to really give yourself the next few moments to breathe to feel your body and to notice any sensations that might be arising in your mind, your heart, or your body. When we give ourselves this precious gift of a pause, that is in essence giving ourselves permission to be exactly who we are. Mm. Isn't it good just to pause and be present? Zoom! 
Sarah, how are you today? I'm good today. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good. How are you? I am here, and being here is actually pretty good, um, given everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm happy to proclaim that I'm here. I'm happy that you're here with me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, so today, right, we have a conversation planned um, about the conversation that you had with Sharon Salzberg a few weeks ago, when you find yourself going through hell, keep going. Yes. Um, Really this notion that you just can't stop there, which I really appreciated. Um, And so we want to talk about that today. But before we get into that, um, we have been trying to have a practice here of just pausing and knowing what's happening with us right now. I wonder if you can talk about what's happening with you right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a sense of curiosity in my body. I'm looking out the window and it's beautifully snowing. And it's that kind of snow where you can see every individual flake coming down, but it's coming quite quickly. And there's something about looking out the window and just feeling the snowflakes. You know, just feeling that sense of something's happening. It's not happening to me. It's not happening because of me. It's just occurring. It's just happening. It stops my mind, frankly, to look out the window, (laughs) see the snowflakes. I think maybe there's something about finding respite in what's occurring around me in the natural world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. I was closing my eyes and envisioning snow falling from my time in Boston. <laughs> and the snow was the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> it was not the thing that I enjoyed the most. But as I closed my eyes and I was envisioning what you said and you started talking about it's not happening to me, it's just something that's happening. I was just reminded about the beauty of being able to, the beauty of, of, of observing. Right, Um, and not necessarily having to do anything about it, not necessarily having to be so impacted by something, but just observing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I appreciated that even in my mind's eye as I was journeying with that. Um, For me this morning, I am sitting here feeling a little bit of the exhaustion of preparing for the workday, knowing that there have been things occurring in my professional world that are really, really overwhelming right now. Um, And so, observing that in my own body i think the past few days are catching up with me um from having to be not necessarily even engaged in conversation but in some way observing conversations happen um and really um feeling the emotion and the stress of those conversations in my own body mm-hmm. so, um, that's where i am this morning mm-hmm. yeah i think that uh that piece about 
really noticing the impact of whatever it is we're going through on our body. Because I think a really, actually a really big piece of keep going. Yeah. Because I think when we don't notice what's going, you know, how situations around us or that we find ourselves in impact our bodies, I think that's what leads to sickness in some case, mm-hmm. you know, or disease. Like we, we wind up building up resistance not in the good way. <laughs> you know, we don't want to go into the feelings in our body. And so we build up this wall of, nope, I'm not going to go there. And I think that's where disease kind of lands. I don't know. I just made that up, but I think that's mm-hmm. something I, it's something I've thought about actually. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I was hearing you talk about it, it's sort of like the inattentiveness mm-hmm. the result in disease. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Right. Really that it causes it, but it just kind of builds up over yeah. time. If, we are not paying attention to something with curiosity and with care and with compassion. Um, it will actually derail us eventually. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That seems like a good segue into what we want to talk about today. <laughs> you were going to really start us off by um, maybe even recounting an experience that you'd had recently to illustrate um, where we are or, or almost sort of like as a portal into this conversation about shame and the message that Sharon Salzberg left us with. Yeah, thank you. Right. As I shared with Sharon in that conversation, and we talked a little bit, I have been really uh, doing a deep dive in inquiry um, and like review, look back at um, this new awareness that I have around experiencing shame Mm. a lot lately, like I'm stewing in it. And so there's a lot of stories, you know, memories that are surfacing and things. But I had this experience the other day that was really different. I was laying in bed. I was waking up. Um, The children were all piled on top of me, (laughs) as they often are on a weekend morning. And I sort of just suddenly noticed there was really nothing going on. There was no storyline, but I suddenly noticed this incredibly intense full body sensation of shame. Mm -hmm. It was like the same kind of like suffocating, hard to breathe, um, heat, Mm. anxiety sensation, but it, I recognized it. Oh, this is shame. This is the sensation full body sensation, visceral experience of shame. And literally nothing was happening. There was no storyline. And so in that moment, I said to the shame, bring it on. Mm. I don't know what to do with you. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to help this, but let me feel this. And so I I think it's, you know, I, I credit my 20 plus years on the meditation cushion with the fortitude, the ability to stay with a super uncomfortable sensation. Mm -hmm. And I just physically, emotionally leaned into it. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe five minutes. I, you know, didn't, hadn't even opened my eyes yet. I didn't even look at the clock. I just stayed with it. And I think that's the point I want to make really strongly here. I stayed with it. Mm -hmm. And then something shifted. And I Mm -hmm. noticed this new thought (laughs) in my body oh, the antidote is love. Mm. And it was like the sensation of the suffocation of the shame Mm -hmm. shifted 
as I roused the feeling of love in my body. You know, I literally felt my heart open instead of shutting down, it opened. And it was like fresh air came flooding into my system. And I suddenly felt, it wasn't sudden, but it was like, I, I began to feel okay in a whole new way. Now I will say the rest of the morning was still challenging. The experience of that still colored my day, but by the afternoon I was over it. And as I've been reflecting on this experience for the last few days, I've not only noticed how now that I allowed myself to have this deeper familiarity mm-hmm. with shame, mm-hmm. I can move through it so much more quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I literally used to spend months stuck in the sensation, mm-hmm. not even knowing what it was or that it was happening. And now it's like, you know, a moment will arise and I can move through it mm-hmm. because I was willing to lean in. I gave myself mm-hmm. permission. Permission. Mm-hmm. I gave myself permission to feel the discomfort of that sensation. And because of that, it shifted. I think that there's something also really powerful that you are um, articulating here is that you also, even before you gave yourself permission, you had an awareness that something was different with your body, right? Something was different Mm -hmm. or something Mm was maybe not so easy in your body, or you were experiencing some dis-ease in your body, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. And your capacity to be able to say, oh, this is, there is this thing happening. And over the course of the years, I've had a little bit of experience with this thing. Um, and, and I have some, some knowledge, some understanding now to know that, they, that something is really occurring and even your capacity to name um, sort of like the rise in temperature and the other sort of like physical sensations that you were having is really, really key to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is something in tandem about what you're describing. So to have those feelings and then to give yourself permission to name them, mm-hmm. to even maybe even name them out loud, to sort of like invite them in without trying to shoot them away or without trying to judge them or without trying to just move away from them mm-hmm. really quickly. Um, there's something really profound about that. Um, both of those things, because I don't know in our larger society that we give people permission Mm-mm. to both name what's happening with their bodies, right? Period. And then to give them sort of like the actual names of the sensations that you described, that can actually be um, a process that um, can be frowned upon. It can be. Yeah. You're reminding me though, that there is an an ancient Tibetan practice around this called Chud practice, where you literally invite in the demons, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, demons, you know, the negative challenging experiences and you literally invite them in to befriend them kind of Mm -hmm. forgot about that until you just Mm -hmm. described that but Mm -hmm. it it, yeah in our western society no we keep that stuff way far away you know i think that's what in some sense why materialism is the answer is because we think we can you know get more and more and more of something to cover up Mm -hmm. these experiences but When we pause and decide, it's a choice, we decide to be present to our direct this moment experience, then there's the possibility that everything will shift. 
But if we keep believing that we can fix and change and that things are bad, we're going to keep not staying with our experience. Yeah. I mean, there's something really profound about what it is that you're saying, right? Which is just naming what is being present to that experience rather than trying to judge it. I hear you in some ways talking about, as I was thinking about it, so like there's this this permission piece. You give yourself permission to pause. Mm -hmm. You give yourself permission to pronounce what's going on, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you give yourself permission to be present to that, right? You actually experience it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, which is really transformative for the experience of shame in the body. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think that's what you're pointing towards. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's visceral. It's like, you know, you don't have to, um, I think there's a real misnomer that you need the next, um, you know, essential oil or pill or book or, you know, like thing that's going to like transform your shame, Mm -hmm. but that's, you know, those are supportive elements perhaps, (laughs) but they aren't going to be what transforms your experience. You're going to be what transforms your experience, your willingness to keep going when you're in hell, to meet the demons and feed them, which really just means giving them attention by feeding the demons. I just wanted to clarify. It's not that you're uh, trying to build them up and make them into a bigger thing. What you're doing is you're giving them attention. You're paying attention. And just the fact, like with a tiny child, just the mm-hmm. fact of your attention can shift mm. the entire dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many things there that, that you make me think about. Um, oftentimes, I, when I talk to clients about situations like these, I'm trying to get them to understand and maybe even, you know, trying to get myself to understand at the same time that if, in fact, you turn the light on the demon, right, the demon is less scary, Totally. Monsters under the bed. I mean, it's a shadow. (laughs) Right. Without the light, without to like shining some attention on them, they actually probably grow and have more power than they should. Definitely. Definitely they do. And the light is just awareness. Just awareness. Very simply. So, so maybe to unpack slightly, I think the first step is awareness is being willing to engage with awareness. Mm -hmm. It's why on this podcast, we offer our listeners a moment to just be at the beginning Mm -hmm. every time, because we, we are building our capacity for awareness so that we can keep going so that we can give ourselves the permission that nobody else is going to give us to be with our experience and move through it so that we can walk a transformative path that's truly transformative and not just materialistic. Yeah. I think I've learned this. I heard this from John Kabat-Zinn a few times where he talks about, we have all these wonderful experiences in the body, right? And we kind of relegate those sometimes to like talking about things like sex or talking about Mm -hmm. food. Um, but we don't really generally go towards our bodies in like a loving, affectionate, kind, curious kind of way. And so in some ways, I think that that's what you are also illuminating, that it, it really requires us to cultivate a relationship with our bodies to the degree that we can say, oh, what's that? 
Yeah. What's, what's that sensation? Let me, let me lean into that a little bit more as opposed to running from it or sort of like trying to shut it down. But what, it, what would it actually look like, you know, especially for our listeners to be thinking in terms of even in this moment, what could be happening for you right now, even as we have this conversation about shame, yeah. right? What could you be curious about in your own body in this present moment? What's coming up for you? And one of the things that's super helpful with that inquiry is the breath. Mm-hmm. You know, is to remember, ah, you know, we can always take a deep breath. The wild thing is that the body knows. Not only does it know what's going on, but it knows how to guide us through. Mm-hmm. And we've the just body. become so divorced from our bodies for just so many reasons, you know, whether it's the, you know, stigma around how we look or how we think other people think we look or whatever, or whether it's, you know, the, a traumatic thing happened. And so it is literally uncomfortable to be present in our body or whatever version of our story is happening. We still can, I think, calmly, quietly, secretly, even, mm-hmm lean in to experience this precious vessel that is where we live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and the work that I do um, in the diversity, equity, inclusion space and doing work around um, having people talk about equality and um, some of the remnants of inequality in spaces where they find themselves. I'm often in spaces with very powerful people um, in organizational settings and encouraging them to think more about their bodies in those, in those particular contexts, right? Um, Resma Manikum's work has really pointed out to us that, you know, if we could think our way through racism, if we could have been sort of like reasoning our way through sexism or sort of like using our intellectual or cognitive abilities to actually solve these problems, we probably would have done that a long time ago. But the problem is that we have only relied on our cognitive and intellectual abilities and we have not listened to the wisdom of our bodies when, when we are in these situations. Um, and over the course of time, it's quite possible that some bodies have changed and they, you know, have a more difficult time um, with listening or with sort of like being present in these situations. But there are some bodies that experience a lot of pain, um, the bodies of people of color, the bodies of women um, who experience a lot of pain. And the wisdom of those bodies can teach us a lot in those moments when we are trying to work through, when we're trying to transform difficulties, not only for ourselves individually, but also for organizations. And the larger society. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up that work because I was going to give you a shout out. I had just such a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it wasn't fun, I would say, but it was so impactful. (laughs) I mean, it was fun in some ways to see you. But anyway, I got to see Carlton give one of these workshops that he does. And I'm so sorry that I've never called you Dr. Green before, (laughs) as I should have been this whole time. (laughs) But the work that you guided us through in that workshop around, you know, I, I felt that the one of the places that was the most potent was that you invited us into our bodies mm-hmm. in the midst of teaching and describing and showing what happens with racial trauma, what happens with racial, you know, I don't even have the words because I don't know how to teach that stuff. You tell me what to say. But, you know, it's like, how do we actually feel the impact in our bodies? Mm-hmm. Right, and I right. think the more societally, the more we can come back 
to that, mm-hmm. right. the more we will find our way. Right, right. I see so many. Uh, thank you for for that, you know, as well. The, the Some of the pieces that I talk about really are about how it is that people can experience and understand the trauma that occurs in their bodies as a result of racism, but not only just for people of color, but for white folks as well. Um, and really thinking in terms of what happens with around the anxiety that people experience yeah. when race or racism or some aspect of that conversation becomes a stimulus mm-hmm. um, between people and really also trying to promote this um, notion that we can actually build empathy and stamina for staying in the conversation. Um, with folks, there is a wonderful quote that I use from an author named Eula Bliss, who wrote an article called White Debt in the New York Times some years ago. Um, she said in there that if you can't talk about something, then you can't think about something, right? And I always acknowledge that I, there's a piece of that that I certainly would, could see as people, could see that as, as ableist in its language, right? If you can't think, then you can't right. talk, right? Um, right. I mean, I don't think that that's what she was sharing or what she was trying to communicate. I think it was more of a, if you can't express yourself some type of way, it limits your capacity for being able to think in a much more nuanced and sub- substantive way about a particular topic or theme. And so for me, getting people to actually talk about this, right? And talk about it from a uh, bodily perspective, or even sort of like from a spiritual perspective or a soul perspective, like really getting in there and, and being able to communicate what's happening for you. What I find more often than not in having these conversations with people is that folks will say, oh my God, I had not noticed that I generally tend to look away. I have this this urge to look away when these conversations are occurring. Or yeah, the I mean, the, the pit of my stomach or the tightness in my chest, I always just sort of like overlook that, right? But that's really actually really important information for us to slow down and pay attention to. If you are in a conversation, you know, in an interpersonal friendly conversation about race or racism, or if you are a CEO or a director and you are trying to have a conversation about sexism on your, in the job, and you are experiencing tightness in your chest or that you are clenching, right? Your muscles or your jaw, there is information there that we have to really attend to rather than ignoring that information and just saying, we just need to follow what the policy is, right? The moment you begin to rely on the policy, you lose your humanity. Um, And it becomes really important for your humanity to be a part of these types of conversations. If in fact we are going to heal, right? If we're going to transform. Yes. Yeah. So I think in some sense, what I, I hope listeners really kind of get out of today's conversation is that we can transform, that we have the capacity to feel whatever's arising, that we can challenge ourselves to be bold. Something my cello teacher challenged me with recently. She said, you have the capacity to play boldly, but you aren't. So lean into that, play boldly. You know, I'm a new cello student, so I'm still, you know, it's a very fascinating Petri dish of shame learning a new instrument. (laughs) It's like, you know, and so there's, I, I really want our listeners to find that boldness to be in their bodies and be curious about what it's like to be present to a sensation arising, what it's like to offer ourselves 
I think there's something so, um, for me personally, there's something so profound about this notion of permission, because I think that for many, 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 many years, I will say decades, I was waiting for someone else to give me permission. And I would get little glimpses of it over different moments, but I'm finally like crashing into this space now where it's really abundantly clear that I'm the only one that can give myself the permission to be who I am, to be genuine. Nobody else can truly illuminate yourself to yourself. I mean, I think that relationship and communication, you know, it's, it's literally why I want you on this podcast with me, Carlton, <laughs> because when we communicate, when we talk with each other, I literally find myself in a way that I can't necessarily on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I kind of hope the same, true is same for you. <laughs> we mirror back to each other. Yeah. <laughs> we discovered, yeah. But nevertheless, there's an internal individual place of integrity mm-hmm. that we can find when we give ourselves the permission to lean in f- and feel joy mm-hmm. and discomfort, mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. both. I was listening to a sermon this weekend um, a pastor that I really appreciate out in Chicago, Reverend Otis Moss III, was preaching um, in, you know, it's a historically black church, um, famous for a lot of different reasons. And he was preaching about the children of Israel um, this weekend and talking about them being in captivity or, or in, being in bondage or being enslaved. And um, he was noting at, at one particular point in the scripture that there was a there was a large um, noise that was going up from them. And the way it was recorded is that there were some among them who were bemoaning where they were. And then there were also some who were really ecstatic, right, given what it is that they were seeing. And he really he titled the summer. Well, not the title, but but the, what he was trying to capture in there was what he called the gospel shout and the blues moan. Um, and how both of those can be present at the same time in the same experience. And then he kind of, one of the things that he said that he closed the sermon off with, which was really powerful for me, and I know, you know, you and I have had some conversations about this, is that it's okay to look back on your shameful past while you stand in the pride of your present, right? Both of those things can be true at the same time. And I know that you have been thinking and talking and writing a lot about looking back on some things, right? Um, And finding the shame or understanding the shame or being able to sort of like excavate it a little bit. But that doesn't mean that you aren't still here in the present trying to keep moving, right? The way that Sharon Salzberg was urging us to do, right? So both of those things can be really powerfully present at the same time. I mean, for me as a black person, just hearing him talk about the gospel shout and the blues moan, you know, two things that are really rooted in African-American culture and maybe even African-American church history was really kind of um, strengthening mm. in a way. It was like, this, mm-hmm. I can, okay, I can, both of these things are, are present in my body and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. I think that acceptance of the duality, you know, there in the ancient, you know, Buddhist teachings, it's talked about as sad joy, mm. that both are present you know, when we walk the razor edge of presence, that precise experience of now, <laughs> there's both sadness and joy. Mm-hmm. And they come together in this moment. And I think it's 
the sense that I have, you know, in my body, as you were just describing the gospel shout and the blues moan was like, it brought me into this physical memory of sad joy, you know, that we both may have remorse or, you know, whatever pain we might have because we're human and that's part of our human experience, but there's also joy Mm -hmm. that we can be present, that we can feel into a moment of snowflakes falling. Mm. Yeah. Great. Um, I think that, you know, one of the pieces that we certainly want to be leaving with folks is not only this sense of acceptance, but to be able to just recognize that the beginning of your awareness or the beginning of your giving yourself permission or the beginning, right, of all of these pieces is really, really important. And they don't have to have so like this final end. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. This is a journey. Yeah, just begin, right? Um, And and, and what's really powerful, you know, which I didn't highlight as you were talking about it, you talked about um, something that Sharon Salzberg really highlighted, that your relationship with shame changes over the course of time. Yes. Right. There could have been a time when this feeling that you were having the other day could have been really debilitating for like 24 hours. Right. Totally. Or longer. (laughs) (laughs) Easily. But you put the welcome mat out for it, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. invited it in, and within you know a short time, mm-hmm. it was it was different, yes, right? Yes. And so you know that's what we want to leave people with. You can begin this process and begin to notice how, just over the course of time, your relationship with the shameful experience begins to change. It's the simplicity of becoming familiar. Mm-hmm with our minds becoming familiar, that friendly, offering that friendliness towards ourselves, towards each different moment of experience, towards each different sensation in our body. And that friendliness is really, that's the welcome mat. It's the saying, you know, come sit with me, sensation. Let's get to know each other. And that is the, that really is the path of transforming obstacles. I find what you just said to be really, really important, right? Um, <laughs> you overcome. <laughs> yeah, really was. You know, I would want our listeners to be thinking about for you, what is the opposite or what is the uh, opposite? That might not be the best word because that's in a very binary way. But what, instead of friendliness, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you persecute yourself? Do you blame yourself? Do you judge yourself? Do you try to avoid difficult feelings? Mm -hmm. Do you catastrophize? Um, What's the thing that you do that seems to be the antithesis, maybe, of being friendly, of being gentle to yourself, right? See if you can become more aware of what that thing is so that you can begin to offer yourself some friendliness, right? Some gentleness when these moments show up. Yeah, absolutely. Just give yourself this opportunity to become familiar. Mm -hmm with your deepest self and also these patterns Mm -hmm. that maybe keep you from experiencing that sad joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this conversation today, Sarah. Thank you, Carlton, as ever. Thank you so much.
over. Today's episode would not have been born without the support of quite a number of people. First of all, just a massive heartfelt thank you to my beautiful, amazing, humble, and profoundly wise co-host, Dr. Carlton Green. This podcast would never have become what it is without you. Secondly, we'd like to thank each of the following folks who are superb friends of the podcast and have assisted in numerous ways, from editorial feedback to commentary to behind-the-scenes plotting to connecting genuine with their networks. Christy Hausler of Team Podcast, Lee Purcell of Lightspeed Publishing, Jim Infantino of Slab Media, Sean Scholde, strategic communications expert, Caitlin Hines, digital marketing expert, Chris Gore, future artiste for genuine and designer of my book cover, The Harmony of Dissonance. Thank you. Genuine would not be what it is without you. For audio editing, I'd like to thank my lovely husband, Scott Robbins, for patiently tucking our daughters Odessa and Indigo into bed while I spent far too many hours writing, recording, and editing. Thanks to Team Podcast for stitching the episodes together. For their generous gifts of music, we thank Jim Infantino for Habits and Plans, my lovely cousin, Kamran Sobian, and his band Revival for the song Downpour, Paul and Melissa Purley for composing and performing Contemplation for us, and Jonathan Souza for End of Time. Thank you to those who lent their voices to say the word genuine, and to Nicholas Johannesson for defining genuine for us. Thank you to the inspiring, generous, and wonderful patrons and community members of Genuine. We would not be here without each and every one of you. Now, more than ever, is the time to listen, spark, and ignite. I feel like genuine on our worst days is what reminds us that we are loved and that we're always good enough. Mm, thank you so much for joining us on this deep journey today and for listening all the way to the end. I'm wondering what resonated for you today? What are you noticing now that we've come through to the other side of that journey? Would you find it helpful to connect with other lovely humans on your unfolding journey? Then I invite you to join us at Genuine, our online community dedicated to the profound journey of being, sparking, and igniting our genuine voice and true impact in the world. It's easy to join and you'll find a free 22-day guided audio meditation called the Positive Mind Challenge just waiting for you. We're currently under development on a robust series of courses for our members, as well as a lovely gift for non-members. Join us there now and give yourself the opportunity to just be and be welcomed into a loving community. Go to GenuineNetwork.org and click the Join the Community button. We'll see you here at the podcast next week for a special conversation that Carlton is hosting with some of his friends on the topic of living the challenge. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Genuine wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go. 
be who you are.